in your Bibles, go ahead and find Proverbs chapter 2. Um, so we're going to be today. We, we launched a series last week in the book of Proverbs. We'll be in all summer long. Um, we're calling it Live Well. Uh, we believe that the wisdom in Proverbs is fulfilled, perfected, completed, seen in Jesus. Uh, we're told in Colossians that all wisdom and understanding is found in him. And so we're looking to the wisdom that God supplied to Solomon in Proverbs to help us know how we can live wisely uh, today. And we're going to be in Proverbs 2 as we continue to discover how we can live well, which is a desire for all of us. But before we get to Proverbs 2, uh, I have a question for you. Have you ever heard of a love-cher? A love-cher. Not a lecture, but a love-cher. Chances are you probably haven't heard of a love share before because it's a word I made up as I uh, prepared this message. But I think you'll understand the concept of a love share. A love share and a lecture have a lot in common. Uh, both are more one-way methods of communication where there is a person with a burden, with a message, uh, with information, with a warning, with a challenge that they want to give to someone else and that someone else will be receiving that instruction. But the difference exists in this, that a love cure is built upon a foundation of relationship and cares just as much for the person receiving it, being transformed and hearing and understanding as they do about delivering the message that they have. And I separate love-cure and lecture because often in our society, we have a negative feeling. Uh, we believe that lecture is kind of this negative, the big word is connotation, uh, a vibe to it. Uh, especially if we separate lectures from the classroom, then the, uh, the feelings about lectures get really negative. Uh, even in the classroom, if you talk to a student in junior high, high school, college, they'll tell you they're not a big fan of lectures. Uh, but even they know the very best professors and teachers have a way, even as they lecture for those 45 minutes, that hour, that hour and a half, maybe even as long as two hours in a college classroom, that the very best professors have a way of making that lecture feel more participatory, as though they're inviting you on a journey of discovery. Uh, but even then, it's hard to get a student to view a lecture as a good thing. But if you take a lecture and move it outside of the classroom, and you think about a parent a spouse, an older sibling, a grandparent, a coach, a teacher, um, a boss, a coworker, choosing to engage in a lengthy one-way communication with you, typically our feelings about those are, are pretty negative. Why? Because sometimes as people go to engage and give advice and provide the warning, the challenge, the encouragement, the rebuke, they don't show a lot of concern for the relationship. It's that old adage, people really don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And so a love cure is different in that it's still one-way communication, but you know that that person cares for you. There's been a foundation that's been laid, and you will listen to that warning. You will listen to that advice. You will listen to that encouragement. You will listen even to that rebuke, that reprimand, that correction, because you have that foundation that they are for you and not against you. Now, I don't know if you've ever received a lecture that's kind of seasoned in love like that. I hope that you have, and if you haven't, I hope that you do, because I've been blessed by people who will invest in me to the point they're willing to take me out to a meal, a cup of coffee, 
invite me on a walk. Audrey and I do this. She may have something that she wants to convey to me, but we'll go on a walk. And I know that she is for me and not against me. I try to do this with my boys. We'll go on a drive. One of my favorite places to receive a lecture born in love, a lecture is on a beautiful patio or porch with a, a cup of sweet tea or an ice cold Coca-Cola in my hand. Like, like I will listen to just about anything if those things are in place. Why all this talk about lovetures, lectures born in love? Because when we look into Proverbs 2 over the next 25 minutes or so, really what we're seeing is a father give his child a lecture, but it is a lecture rooted in love. Now, Solomon never would have used the word lecture. Solomon never would have used the word lovetures, certainly since I made it up yesterday. Um, But he does model the concept that his child knows through the words that are used that his dad cares for him. His dad is coaching him. His dad is mentoring him. His dad is trying to show him the way how he can live well. Now, a couple observations before we get into the words of Proverbs 2. You will notice as we study Proverbs, especially the the words that appear in the first 22 or so chapters, that predominantly the instruction kind of has a masculine feel, a masculine tone to it. Because Solomon is a male, he's writing to his son who is a male. But we have to be careful that we, we kind of are able to still place ourselves in these words. Because remember that God, our heavenly father, inspired these words through his spirit to Solomon, not just for Solomon's son, but for all of us who would choose to listen and obey and turn to him. And so as we read, even if you read masculine terms, just make some of the substitutes. Because God is speaking to us, his children, male and female, regardless of our age, regardless of the age in which we live, these are for us. God wants you and I to live well. The father is speaking to us, even as Solomon the father speaks to his child. He wants us to live well. He wants to give us this love to her. Maybe something that would be helpful to you was helpful to me as I processed Proverbs 2 this week, is to imagine yourself in that place with your heavenly father where you know he is for you. He is not against you, and he is speaking to you, but he has something impassioned to share with you. He has advice, he has a warning, he has encouragement, he has challenge, and how you can live wisely, and if you do these things, what they will look like and what the, the, the consequences or the ramifications of that will be in your life. And so wherever that is for you, maybe it's on a drive with God, he's... He's driving, you're riding shotgun, or maybe you just have to have control, so you're, riding, you're driving, God's riding shotgun. Maybe you're on that patio, maybe you're on that porch, maybe you're on that walk, maybe you're, wherever it is that you would listen to your heavenly father give you this loveture, this, this lecture born in love. So place yourself there, and let's turn to Proverbs chapter two. We're gonna start with just the first four verses. We're gonna kind of move through the Proverbs uh, chapter two this way. Um, So first four verses, the dad writes to his kid, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then, and what follows in verses five uh, through 19 are what we can anticipate if, if we adhere to what is in verses one through four. 
So let's start with verses one through four. Again, the first observation we have to make is that this is an if-then lecture. Look at how if occurs. Verse one, my son, if you accept my words. Verse three, indeed, if you call out for insight. Verse four, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure. If you do these things, then you'll experience what follows. And before we ever move through Proverbs 2, we have to understand that this is not a guarantee. It only happens if we adhere to what comes in verses 1 through 4. So what's found in verses 1 through 4? There are these verbs that progress in intensity or strength or importance. There's an increasing intensity in each of these four verses. Verse 1, my son, if you accept my words. If you're a parent, if you're a child, you understand that um, for a child to listen to their father or mother's advice, they have to first be willing to accept them. Will they even listen to them? Will they hear them? A child's not going to obey, a child's not going to do unless they're even willing to accept what their father or their mother is sharing, their guardian is sharing. So the, so the first thing is the father says, you, you have to be willing to accept my words. But look at how he increases the intensity or the strength. He says, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. So it's not just accepting the Father's wisdom. It's choosing to hold on to, to store the Father's wisdom. And again, we are children of God listening to our Heavenly Father speak to us through the power of His Spirit. So will we not only accept the words of God, listen to the words of God, hear God out on what He has to say about life, not just in Proverbs, but in the whole counsel of His Word, and will we not just hear His words, but will we accept and store them and hold them within us, or will we let them just pass through like a cup with all kinds of holes in it? Will we store up the commands of God? Uh, David speaks about the importance of storing up the commands in Psalm 119, verse 111, uh, 111. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. He shows us the importance of storing up the commands of God because they can guide us, instruct us, shape us, change us, encourage us, challenge us. So will we store up the commands of God? Will we accept them, hear them out, and then hold on to them? But will we do even more than that? Verse two, will we turn our ears to wisdom and apply our heart to understanding? The New Living Translation says, will we tune our ears to his, to his wisdom and his understanding? I love that picture of turning our ears, tuning our ears. We live in a day and age where maybe you listen to the radio in your car, or maybe you have XM satellite radio, or maybe you listen to Pandora or Spotify or Apple Music. And for any of those, we have to intentionally choose what we're going to listen to. You will select the album. You will tune to that channel so that you are orienting yourself to hear and receive. And so the Father says not just to hear his words, not just to store up his commands, but will you orient your life to allow me to continue to instruct you, to download into you the wisdom of God. And so will we be men and women, young and old, who will not just hear God out and listen to him and store up his commands, but will we be men and women who will tune in to say, teach me, help me, Lord. And not just will we turn our ears, but will we apply them? Will we concentrate on them? Will we say, God, these are your words. Will you shape my life according to them? 
So the Father says, if you'll accept my words and sort my cans, if you'll turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, if, and here's more intensity, if you will call out for insight, don't just tune in, just don't hear me out, don't just accept but say, God, teach me, I want to know more. And don't just call out, but cry out. Do you hear the desperateness? I think of the, the picture of the Israelites in Exodus who, who cry out in the wilderness and God hears their cries. Like, like this is an emotional cry. God, I want you, I need you. Do we have that perspective when it comes to his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, his commands? Will we call out? Will we cry out? But there's even greater intensity. It keeps progressing. If you will look for it like you will for silver. If you'll search for it as for hidden treasure. Did you see what the father is doing? The father is saying, my son, if you you go back to chapter one, he's kind of shared this introduction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. These are the things that should come from it. Then then he he warns that there are going to be these wicked people that try to lead you astray. Lady Wisdom's voice comes in and says, these are the benefits of wisdom. These are consequences if you don't follow. And so the father kind of follows on that and says, If you will just listen, if you will just store up, if you will just cry aloud and cry out to me, if you will look, if you will search, if you will understand the hidden treasure that's in the wisdom of God, then these things will happen. But before we get to the then, I think we need to pause and consider and reflect upon the ifs. Because again, this is conditional, if, then. And so let's answer the if for ourselves. I can't answer it for you. You have to answer it for yourself. Do you desire, do you seek after, do you want the wisdom of God more than anything else? Again, the wisdom of Proverbs is perfected and fulfilled in Jesus. What does Jesus tell us? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you seek him do you want the wisdom of god do you want the commands of god do you want god to guide and lead and direct your life if the answer is no you're not going to live well. You're not going to experience the fullness of life that's proclaimed in the book of Proverbs that we see in the life of Jesus. Do you want it? And that's an important question. When I look out, not just at the world, but when I look out at God's people, I see many who don't really want the wisdom of God. They don't yearn for the wisdom of God. They don't say, God, direct my paths. There's this lie that the enemy has just perpetuated in American society is that we can have the beauty and the brilliance and the blessing of Jesus. We can have the beauty, the brilliance, and the blessing of God and still reject his ways, his words, his wisdom, and his commands. But if we move away from God's wisdom, we move away from the full experience of who God is. We need to 
seek his wisdom. And so the Father's calling out, not just Solomon to the Son, but the Heavenly Father is calling out to you, will you seek my wisdom? Do you want it? There's kind of this circular relationship that we we read in chapter one that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's anthem in, in, in Proverbs chapter nine, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's this idea that if we will seek God, we find wisdom. But as we seek for wisdom, we find God. And it's like, as we seek God, we find wisdom. We seek wisdom, we find God. We just are seeking him and what he has to say about the world. Is that true of you? Is that true of your heart? Is that true of your life? Are you tuning in? If you will, then what follows will be true of your life. Verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. As we seek him, as we yearn for him, as we search for him, we will find him. Why? Because verse six, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's just who he is and he longs to give it. When we read in James that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of heavenly lights, like God loves to give good gifts. And one of the gifts he longs to give you is his wisdom to guide you in life. But we have to want it and turn to him for it. And when we do, He guards us and he guides us. Look at verse seven. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose way of life is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. When we turn to God and we seek his wisdom, we hear him out, we store it up, we cry aloud, we tune into it, we search for it, he provides it and that wisdom actually can guard us shield us. You may say, well, how does it guard us? How does it shield me? Well, we know because we live in a world that is fallen, that is affected by sin, that pain and suffering and difficulty will affect every single one of us in a whole host of ways. But let's not forget that there is pain. There are types of pain and suffering and difficulty that we can be protected from if we live according to the way and the wisdom of of God. I may share this story again in a couple weeks, but it just kind of comes to me in this moment. Several weeks ago, I received an email. Maybe I've already shared it. I don't, I don't remember. Um, several weeks ago, I received an email, and in the email, it was a scam. Uh, it was somebody saying that um, they had uh, taken over and hacked my computer and my webcam, and they saw all these awful things that I did while viewing pornography and all this stuff. And I remember deleting the email and coming back to Audrey and saying, I am so grateful that when we live according to the wisdom of God, that someone can try to blackmail you, but there's no merit, there's no truth to what's being said. And so I had confidence to just to be able to delete the email because there's no way, because none of those things were true of me. There's a confidence, there's a protection that saves me from that difficulty, that saves me from that pain. And I can only imagine if I was someone who had done the things that they were saying I had done while watching my computer that I would have been really scared in that moment, but I wasn't. It saved me from that difficulty. It saved me from that pain. And so the, when we apply the wisdom of God, the understanding of God, the knowledge of God, the commands of God to our life, there is pain. There are types of pain that we are rescued and prevented and shielded and guarded from. We can't be shielded and guarded from all pain, but we can from some he will guide us, verses 12, 11 to, to 14. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men. 
Sorry, I skipped 9 through 11. Let's go back. Verse 9, then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. You may recall from last week that he says that one of the benefits of what he's about to write is that we will know what is right, just, and fair. So here in verse 9, he says, you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. You'll know which direction to go, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. God will guide us. Again, I think of David's words, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Your words will guide me. They will lead me. If we will yearn for, if we will cry out for, if we will hunger for the wisdom of God, then he will provide it. And it will guard us and it will guide us, but it will do even more than that. It will save us and rescue us. What will it save us and rescue us from? Verses 12 to 15. Wisdom will save you from the ways of wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who have left the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Now, in chapter one, Solomon has already warned his son about the way that wicked men and foolish men work. And here he is doubling down again saying, listen, if you will pursue the wisdom of God, if you will pursue my wisdom, if you will search for it, it will rescue you. You'll be able to see through the schemes, the wickedness, the deviousness, the perverseness of people who are opposed to the way of God. The, the word perverse shows up multiple times in the book of Proverbs. I think I read this week, there are only two other occurrences in the entire New Testament, Old Testament, outside of the book of Proverbs. But it's a word that means to, to be against God and even twist what God intends to something different. Often in our culture, we hear the word perverse and we think of it in sexual perversion. It includes that, but it includes so much more. It's any time we are against God, and it's not as though it's all against or, um, you know, there's nothing in between. Like, if we are for God and living for him, anything, whether it's a third false, half false, or all false, it's all opposed and twisted against God. And so when wicked men want to convince you that this way of living is okay or that way of living is okay, we, through the wisdom of God, can see through that and see what is right. And as we read God's word, it becomes pretty obvious when we look at his commands, we look at his teachings, what does he desire for us, what does he want for us. But some ways I think even in America right now, it gets confusing is that there are people who are trying to marry our faith to a particular political philosophy or economic philosophy and even in that, they're twisting the truth of the kingdom and people are being deceived. And so perverseness is anything that moves us against God, whether that's a little bit or a lot of it. Will we yearn for his wisdom and know that he can rescue us and help us see through? And so when you're with a group of friends and they are not for the things of God, you can hear through their arguments, you can hear through their theories, you can see through their uh, deception and deviousness, and God can rescue you from that. Not only does it save us from wicked men and women, but it rescues us and saves us from sexual evils. Look at verses 16 through 19. Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. 
Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. When you read chapters one through nine, this introduction, Solomon multiple times comes back to the adulterous woman, the unfaithful woman, or the strange woman, all words to describe one whose heart is opposed to what God has designed for sexual intimacy. And again, a father writing to a son, there's masculine words here, but it doesn't take you know, a lot to help us understand that this is not just about being saved from the adulterous woman, but the adulterous man, not just from the wayward woman, but the wayward man and his seductive words who has left his partner of his youth and ignored the covenant of God. This is, this is Solomon letting his son know, listen, there's going to be a breadth of sexual temptation. We know it from how many times it's mentioned. We're going to look more intently at sexual purity in a few weeks and how it shows up in Proverbs. But Solomon keeps warning his son, listen, there's going to be a lot of temptation you face when it comes to the enemy convincing you to step out of God's design for sexual intimacy. Will you resist? Because that way leads to death, but my way leads to life. And I can't think of what might be a more timely word even for us. We live in a culture where there is pervasive and persuasive instruction to indulge in sexual intimacy outside of God's clear design. From Genesis to Revelation, in the entire story of God recorded in scripture, in the story of God from the beginning of time through our current era, God has been incredibly clear. God has designed sexual intimacy to be enjoyed, that's a key word, enjoyed between a man and a woman in a committed covenant relationship of marriage. And anything outside of that sets us up for pain and suffering. And so the father warns, the father challenges his son to, to, to watch out that sexual temptation is all around. Will he pursue God's best? If not, he will experience pain and difficulty. If the child will yearn for the ways and the wisdom of God, then he'll be able to confront, no matter how, how, how incredibly enticing the schemes of the enemy are, he'll be able to confront that when it comes to sexual temptation and misusing God's design for sexual intimacy. But the son's gonna have to want it to experience the fullness of life that God has to offer. And we have to answer the same thing. Do we want it? Do we want God's wisdom? Do we wanna live according to God's ways? Will we pursue it or will we ignore it? Quick observation, if you look back to Proverbs chapter one, when Lady Wisdom is rebuking those who would live for foolishness and folly, look at what she says in verse 32. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. And I can't help but wonder if too many followers of Jesus in our world, but in particular in America, have grown complacent to the wisdom of God. Do we want it? Will we seek it? 
will we recognize that it will save us from so much pain and difficulty and allow us to live a life that's full, the fullness of life that Jesus talks about in John 10, 10. Well, the Father said, if you yearn, if you seek, if you cry out, if you search for, if you hunger for the wisdom of God, then you'll experience his gift of wisdom. It'll guard you, it'll guide you, it'll rescue you from perverse and deceitful and scheming people. It will rescue you from the harms that come from exploring sexual pleasure outside of God's design. And this will be your experience, verses 20 to 22. Then you will walk in the ways of the good and keep to the paths of righteousness for the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. He's saying, son, you have a choice. If you live this way, then you'll experience the fullness of life. You'll experience living in the land. That image in the Old Testament is so powerful. It's, it's, it's an image that has to do with living in the midst of God's blessing, obedient to him, reaping the fruit of being among God's people. A New Testament equivalent would be what Jesus says, abide in me. It's remaining in Jesus, pursuing his purposes. That's where life is found. That's what the wisdom of Proverbs, the wisdom of the whole counsel of God's word wants to lead us into. And here's God giving us this love cheer, this, this loving lecture to say, will you listen to my advice? Will you hunger for it or will you ignore it? Will you be complacent? Will you do whatever the heck you wanna do and then miss out and experience pain and wonder why you're experiencing it? Like, what, what are you gonna do with your life? If you do this, then you'll experience this. So even as we move into this series on Proverbs, we recognize the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But we will not experience it unless we want it. Do you want it? Will you desire it? If you desire it, God will supply it. He has made a way. He's made a way to cut through our rebellion. He's made a way to hear his voice. He sent Jesus, his son, to live, to die, to conquer death, so that we who trust and follow him can experience the fullness of life. He can show us how to live. He can give us the life that we were made for. Uh, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song. Uh, hopefully I got this right. It was kind of inspiration backstage. So this is the wrong song, I apologize. On my notes it said, lead me to the cross. Regardless, I think the message fits. Uh, in, the, in the lyrics of the song, it says, Savior, I come, quiet my soul. Remember redemption's hill where your blood was spilled for my ransom. Everything I once held dear, I now count it all as loss. But we just come to the cross of Jesus and say, God, I can't do it in my own wisdom anymore. I need yours. I'm living for your wisdom. Lead me to you. Show me your way. If we will seek it, if we will seek him, we will find him. If you'd like to know more about seeking God and finding him, uh, we, we'd love to talk with you. Uh, I'm happy to start a conversation with you at the front of the room after our closing song. You can email us, connect at lebanonchristian.org. Uh, you can scan the QR codes that say, let's connect and let us know on the form. You can fill out a connection card or a communion station and put it in the offering box. We wanna help you discover him, seek him, find him, and live in the fullness of his life to live well. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the power of Proverbs 2. I pray, Father, that we would hear your loving lecture to us, that we would listen knowing that you are for us and not against us, but that, God, we would not be complacent, that we would pursue you and yearn for you and apply your wisdom to our lives and experience the fullness of life that's found in you, even when it's hard and difficult. 
God, would you be honored? Would you be praised? Would you be glorified? Amen.